Go and grab your Bibles, open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Book of Matthew, chapter 3. It's where we're going to start today. Uh, Matthew 3. I've got a lot in my spirit for you this morning. Thank you for watching online. Would you welcome everybody watching at home right now? For one reason or another, they're not here with us physically, but you're here with us spiritually. You've got your Bibles, you've got your notebooks, you're ready to go. This month, we're going to be talking about identity, who we are. As you can hear through the worship today, it's really been a focus. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. And that's going to be a repeated statement this morning. The entire month, we're going to reestablish that for you. You know, I've had people over the last few weeks or months ask me, you know, what's your vision going into 2021 for Calvary? What's, what's your big vision? And I'm going to give you very simply what the Lord has told me the vision for 2021 is. Can I, can I let you in on that? Is that okay? Here's the vision of 2021. I felt very clearly the Lord told me to make sure you know your identity in Christ. That's the vision this year, that you know your identity. This is who you are, and this is what you're capable of. Come on now. This is who you are, and this is what you're capable of. This is who we are. This is what we do. That is the vision of the year. That's where we're going. And sometimes we need to be reminded of who we are. For some of you, you need to be introduced to who you are. You've never known the real new creation that Jesus paid for you to become. In Sunday school, you kind of just thought this whole story was about you getting out of hell and going to heaven. But do you understand that God didn't just save you from something, he's turned you into someone. That's a good place to say amen. He didn't just save you from hell, he turned you into someone. A child of God, amen. The body of Christ, come on now, the temple of the Spirit of God in the earth. You are a whole lot more than you may even realize. And by the end of this month, you're going to be introduced to yourself <laughs> in who God has made you to be. For some of us, it's going to be hard to believe because you still see yourself as the old self. And my friend, you are not the old self. You are not just a better version of what you once were. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things are passed away. All things have become new. You didn't just add religion. You became a child of God. Somebody get excited about that today. And so today is about fully persuading you. Today is about convincing you of who you are and helping you live from that place. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's an act of God's grace, but it exists. And one of the scariest things for the devil is for you to wake up and realize who you are. You know, coming out of 2020, 2020 doesn't identify you, my friend. Jesus has given you a new name. Jesus has given you an identity, amen? The circumstances you're in don't identify you. Your identity is linked and founded in one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified and him raised from the dead, amen? Man, so losing a job doesn't make you a loser. Come on. Getting sickness touching your body doesn't make you weak and frail and powerless. You know, stumbling in sin here and there while you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling doesn't turn you back into a sinner. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. That's who you are. You may sin on occasion because you're working some stuff out, but that sin doesn't identify, doesn't identify you. Amen. When you sin, it doesn't turn you back into a sinner. Come on now. You were made something new. You don't go in and out of your child of God standing like a yo-yo. Are you hearing this? Does that mean that Christians never sin? <laughs> no, because I've met them. 
And you've met me. We have all sinned. We all still make mistakes, but it doesn't change who we are. And now we look at sin and we overcome sin from the position of child of God because you can't overcome sin as a sinner. Sinners can't overcome sin. Come on now. Only Christ can under overcome sin. And you are now in Christ. Therefore, you are more than a conqueror. And you can now overcome sin. You can only overcome sin and you can only overcome Satan if you were no longer a sinner. Come on. You can only do it as the body of Christ. He's the only one victorious over the devil. And only in him will you be victorious over the devil. Am I going too fast for you so far? This is 2021. It's time to take the training wheels off here, Calvary. We got places to go. You need to know who you are. We've got things to do. Amen. So you've gotten to know Maria and I over the last six months. Now it's time to strap your seatbelts on. We got places to go and things to do. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue to try to convince you of you know, you know, being open to this. We're gonna just go. We're just gonna run. Amen. All right. That's a good introduction. Man, it feels good this morning. Praise God. You got your Bibles and your notebooks? You good? Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. This is Jesus' baptism. This is where we're going to start. Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I think that's so funny. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all of God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After this baptism, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, the heavens opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling upon Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Your Bible may say, in whom I am what? Well pleased. Why do we start there? Because this was a new beginning for the earth. This was also the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. This is a beginning moment, and we're in a beginning Sunday right now. Amen? There's a couple things that we want to see in today, and there's a couple things that we can draw from this passage of Scripture. One, Jesus began his ministry being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's where we're starting here in 2021. If you have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit or it's been a long time since you've had the Holy Spirit flowing through you or you've been touched by the Holy Spirit, at the end of this service, you get up here, you don't walk, you don't run, you don't walk, you can run. Or these are really steep aisles, just roll down these aisles, get down here as fast as possible and get a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit to start 2021 off the right way. Because we're not going into 2021 in our own strength. Our own strength means nothing. But you have access to the strength of the living God. You understand that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is not just about goosebumps, my friend. It's not just about speaking in another language. It is, he is the strength of God. He is the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So that is what you're going into 2021 with. The same hell-destroying, Satan-stomping power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on now. That is the strength you're going into 2021 with. So Jesus came up out of the water and was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. But the other thing in starting the year off and starting his ministry off and transitioning of seasons from one season to a new season, Jesus went from a season of being a young man and being a student and now he was being launched into his ministry. He was being launched into why he was sent. He heard to launch him out that he was loved of God. This is my beloved son. That's identity. In whom I am well pleased. 
That's why today we start with this scripture. Because as you start this new season, as you move into destiny, because we really believe that 2020 shook a lot of things. 2020 exposed a lot of things. But you know what? That is not for, not, that is, how do I say that, God? Like, it's not a waste. You see what I'm saying? God will not waste a thing. And so whatever 2021 in its resistance created, or 2020 in its resistance created, 2021 will be that much more in its promise and its fulfillment. You understand that? I said that when we were in our journey coming here and there was a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, different things going on. And, I, and the Lord reminded me about the process. And if the process speaks of the final product, and we went through a lot of process in 2020, amen? That's a lot of learning, that's a lot of stretching, it's a lot of growing. But think about that. If we all went through that education of 2020, just imagine what God is using and building that up for in 2021. Do you understand that? If the process speaks of the product, this next year is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing because we've grown up. We've matured. We're not the same people we were 12 months ago. Come on. You're not. We have grown. We have developed. But going into 2021, just like Jesus going into his destiny season, going into his destiny ministry, he started it with identity. God started him off with assurance of his identity. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased, who brings me great joy. See, from that place, you can go through anything. Why? Because if God is for me, it doesn't matter what's against me. You understand that? And I also don't sit there and wonder every time I go through trouble whether or not God is still for me. Why? Because I know who I am. The presence of trouble doesn't change the fact that I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God in the middle of trouble, so that already tells me how this thing's going to work out. I'm a child of God. There's a rescue coming. There's a breakthrough coming. The angels of heaven are on my side. The Spirit of God is on my team. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So you stop putting yourself back into the concept of victim. Just because there's trouble, just because there's, there's anxiety in the earth, that doesn't dictate who you are. You face those things as a child of God in whom God is well pleased. And if God is for me, it doesn't matter what's against me because he's going to work all those things together for good anyway. I will, I, I will not be pushed out of my identity. I will not take on an identity of abandoned. I will not take on an identity as orphaned. Come on now. I will not take on an identity as being alone. I am not alone. I am a child of God. Oh, by the way, that means I have an inheritance. That means I have access to the throne of grace. Are you hearing this? So you start this year off with this ringing in your ears. It's going to be all month long, but this is who you are. You are a child of God. And you didn't earn it. You didn't qualify yourself for it. That's why you making a mistake here and there doesn't kick you out of it. You didn't earn it in the first place. You didn't deserve it in the first place. But we have to believe this. That's why today when, when Pastor Osway was saying, you sing this, you know, oh, how he loves me. That's easy to say when you feel like you're performing well. That's not easy to say when you feel like you failed. And we're still going to fail because we make mistakes. We're still growing up. But making mistakes and, and not doing everything perfect doesn't disqualify you from sonship. Isn't that good? And the presence of problems doesn't make you separated from God. These things are going to try to convince you that you're separated from the love of God. But, but none of these things, I am convinced that none of these things, death, life, you know, hell, demon, <laughs> nakedness, famine, poverty, none of these, I'm fully convinced none of these things will ever be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? 
Let's talk about your identity just for a bit. Your identity. What is your perceived identity right now? That's a good question because it's easy to clap and celebrate because everyone else is clapping. I can get everyone to clap. I'd say clap, people clap. It's the power of the microphone. But so you can sit there and you could be clapping me all day long. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But let's really think about this. What is your current perceived identity? Your current perceived identity. Do you rate yourself and limit yourself based on your, your education or lack thereof? What about what the money that's in your bank? Does your wallet give you permission or confidence about who you are in this world? Now, there are individuals that have quite a bit of money. And there are individuals that have not very much money at all. <laughs> we have individuals that have like dust bunnies that fall out of their wallets, right? That's life. It happens. But your wallet doesn't get to dictate who you are. And just because you have money doesn't make you someone in the kingdom of God. And just because you don't have money doesn't make you not someone in the kingdom of God. Amen? It's all Jesus. What is your current perceived identity? Do you, do you think you're valuable to the earth because you have a lot of money or do you think you have a, or because you don't have money, do you think you're not valuable to the earth? Are you understanding how this plays out? Did you think you were someone when you had a prestigious job and maybe for some reason you no longer have that title, you no longer have that prestigious job? Does that mean you're no longer important to the earth? Do you understand how these mind games can get into our heads, how they can begin to dictate how we respond, how we treat people, how we see ourselves, how we wake up in the earth? You don't wake up in the world and say, I'm here to make impact today because someone took a title away from you. Let me tell you what title they can't take away from you, child of God. No one can, no one can fire you from that. No one can, can downsize you from that. Are you hearing me? And by the way, if you're the child of God, that means you're the ones in the earth that are the salt. You're the light. You're the city on a hill. It doesn't matter what your pocketbook says. It matters what Jesus said about you. Come on now. Man, that's some good preaching. I know, right? I mean, seriously. But what's your current perceived identity? What if someone walked out on you? What if your husband and your wife left this year? What if some, does that make you abandoned? Does that make you orphaned? Does that make you meaningless, that unloved? My friend, you're still a child of God. You're still a child of God. But what if you made mistakes? What if you're like, but I, but I caused this. I caused this sickness in my body because of lack of poor, with poor choices of my health. Or I caused these broken relationships because of, of lack of understanding and, and, and giving into my old sinful nature or all kinds of things. Listen, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, then even though you've made those mistakes, like I said earlier in this message, even though you make the mistakes, it doesn't turn you back into what you once were. You are still that child of God and you're capable of bigger living. You're capable of better. Amen. But every time you throw yourself back into that concept of I'm just a sinner, I'm just an old sinner, it's almost like you lower the expectation of who you're capable of being. You're not just an old sinner anymore. I'm telling you, you're not just a sinner anymore. Some people say we're just sinners saved by grace. No, we are saved by grace. We are children of God. Yes, sometimes we sin, but my identity is I am saved. I am covenant in Christ. I am a child of God. That's who I am. And from this place, I will take on those other issues. I will take on those lower levels of living. Amen. As a child of God. But I will not let those things separate me from who I am, because if I was an old sinner, I couldn't beat these things. Are you understanding this? Amen. What is your current perception of your identity? Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I quoted it earlier. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. 
The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has, it has come. That's the Amplified Bible. Behold, the fresh and new has come. You are now capable of so much more. I want to encourage you that your capacity has changed as a child of God. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Let's start off real quick, confident about your position in Jesus. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Let's get this established. Romans chapter 10, talking about being in Christ, having confidence. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. This is New Testament. If you're new to the, to the Bible, go to the table of contents. The Bible's broken up into books, and then those books are broken up into chapters, and there's these little helpful verses in there. And so we want you to follow along with us. I think it's important that you see these things. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Have you found it in your Bible? We're going to go 10, 8 through 13. 8 through 13. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart, talking about the message of Christ. And that message is the very message about the faith that we preach. Here we go. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Make sure you know that in your Bible, please. Sometimes we add so many things to that. If you, if you act perfect and give your heart to Jesus. No, no, no. That's not what it says, is it? It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to work this stuff out. Because now as a believer, we don't get along with sin anymore. Sin doesn't fit us anymore. Which is why we resist it. This is why we don't want to live that way anymore. Because it's not who we are anymore. Come on. It's not who we are. That's not, that's not my identity anymore. Why would I want to still act like that? Right? Like real Christians, real believers don't want to still act like they once did. It's a good place to say amen. But that doesn't mean you don't accidentally do it every once in a while. Or even sometimes intentionally. <laughs> but I want you to see the simplicity of this. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Have you declared Jesus to be your Lord? Yes. Amen. Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? actually, physically, raised him from the dead, not metaphorically, not an illustration. Jesus Christ came in human flesh, died on a cross, three days later, physically, actually resurrected from the dead. And I'm ready to declare that to anybody. Even if they tell me I'm crazy, it doesn't, it doesn't go along with science, I don't care. I left science a long time ago. I left science when I said a virgin conceived and had a baby. Come on now. Now, I think some, there's a good place for science. Don't get me wrong. People are like, oh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin doesn't believe in science. I do believe in science. I believe in gravity. You know, I believe in lots of good science. But I'm saying when science and the Bible cross ways, I go with the Bible. Amen. Amen. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, Jews and Gentiles, so those are those are anyone else in the world that's not a Jew, that would be a Gentile. And they are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all, say all, who call on him for everyone, say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, say saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you establish in your heart today if you've called on the name of the Lord Jesus, if you believe that he died for you and that he was raised from the dead and you've called on him to be your Lord and Savior, that you are, say it, saved. 
Save from hell, save from eternal damnation, save from your old self, save from the devil, save from the curse of the fall of mankind. There's a lot of things that you may not even realize you were saved from, but it's in there. Do you remember the old Prego spaghetti sauce commercials? They would eat it and they would go, it's in there. Anybody remember that? Maybe that's an Italian thing. It's in there. There's a whole lot of things in this salvation that you may not even realize, but that's part of learning your identity this year of knowing what's been made available to you, knowing what you're capable of, knowing what rights and privileges and what's in the covenant of God so you can enforce what Jesus paid for you to have. A lot of believers live a lot lower than they should or could, not because it wasn't paid for, but because of a lack of knowledge. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. There's a lot of authority, there's a lot of influence, there's a lot of power you possess as a child of God that you may not realize. And so we're gonna learn about that this year. We're going places with this this year. You excited about it? I'm excited about it. Amen. But it's important today that you understand that if you've given your heart to Jesus, if you've called upon him, if you've made him the Lord and Savior of your life, then you are saved and you are now his child. Open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. Go to 1 John. That's later towards Revelation. It's closer to the back of the book. 1 John. Hey, by the way, while you're getting to 1 John, uh, I finished reading my Bible all the way through this last week. How many of you were on the one-year Bible journey with us? Did you finish it this week? Let me say it this way. I finished the book this week. Spoiler alert, we win. Come on. Uh, I finished it again and it hasn't changed. I read it even after 2020 and it still says we win. There's not like an, an added chapter that says, ooh, we forgot about 2020, so... Maybe you don't win. No, we win. We win. The book says it. Come on now. 1 John chapter 3. Have you found it? Verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Talking about you are saved and you are now a child of God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. He calls us. See, here's the thing. Sometimes people might get like, concerned that we're talking too much about being his children. We need to talk more about being other things, you know, warriors or, or servants of or evangelists or ambassadors. And all those things are good words. But I want you to understand that it wasn't because we just wanted to feel good about ourselves that we started calling us his children. Like this didn't come from us. We didn't decide to start calling ourselves something and hope that God is okay with it. He's called us his children. You need to hear that. He's called you his child. He's desired to create you anew in this family. This is a work of God. So we cannot overemphasize or, or overlearn or use this because it's something that God created, something that God has brought into the earth, something that God is doing in your life. And it says here that he calls us his children and that is what we are. It's not what you will be when you die and go to heaven one day. Can you feel that right now? Man, I want so much for you in the middle of whatever you're in. Don't put off your identity until you get to heaven. Don't put off your authority until you get to heaven. Don't think God loves you more the day you cross into heaven than, the day he, than right now. You are his child right now. Do you understand this? He doesn't love you more because you died. 
You're not more his child because you died. Amen. You see, once, when you die and transition over, you see fully what you see in part on this side. But the truth is you were fully all of that, but you just didn't see it all on this side. <laughs> this is making sense to you. You are his child. That is who you are. I love that. That is what we are. That is what we are now, not one day. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. So don't worry about if other people get it or not. Don't worry about what other people see upon you. They can't see who you really are. God knows who you really are. You need to know who you really are. And here's the other person that knows who you are. The devil knows who you are. And he's hoping you don't figure out who you are. Amen? The people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. There's so much that we'll see that we are when Christ appears. But the truth is, legally, in position, positionally, you are a child of God now. Not one day when Jesus comes back. You are those, you are those things now. You are that fullness now. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I wrote this in my notes. You are now clothed with robes of righteousness. You are now clothed with garments of praise. You are now a royal king and priesthood unto the Lord. Amen. You are now in Christ and the enemy is now under your feet. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. Galatians chapter 3 verse 29. And we're going to go into verse chapter 4. Some people are like, can you do that? Can you go from one chapter to the next? Absolutely. There were no breaks when it was written, you know what I mean? You're like, wow, he's reading all the way from chapter 3 through chapter 4. Yeah, absolutely. Have some fun with it. Read, man. Galatians chapter 3, 29 through 4, 7. 29. And now that you belong to Christ. Don't you love all this definitive conversation? And now that you belong to Christ. It's like the Apostle Paul wants us to like grab a hold of it and establish it as fact and to stop saying one, one day I'll belong to Christ or one day I'll be a child of God or one day I'll have access to the covenants. It's like we can never become the fullness that God created us to be or the fullness that Jesus paid for us to be if we keep putting off our identity into another season. If you keep putting off your identity into one day in the sweet by and by, you need to be a child of God in the rotten here and now. Come on, my friend. The world needs you to be the child of God that you were created to be now. Your family needs you to be the child of God you were created to be now. Your, this world needs you to stand in your position of authority as you have been given as a child of God. You are the intercessors in this planet. You stand between death and life. Are you understanding this? As childs of God now, it's time for us to realize who we are, to live from that place and stop putting it off to another time period. So the Apostle Paul consistently says, you are now his child. God has called you his child. Here in Galatians chapter 3, he says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise of Abraham belongs to you. Think of it this way, he says. If a father dies, he leaves an inheritance to his young children. Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything the father has. 
They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father has set. And that's the way it is with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to cry out, Abba, Father. Listen to this. Now you are no longer a slave. Now you are no longer a slave. But God's own child. You are no longer a slave to anything. You are God's own child. The Bible's telling you this is who you are. 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 Amen. You are God's own child. And since you are his child, he has made you his heir. Wow. I mean, talk about a good deal. (laughs) I mean, we were lost like a goose in a fog. And yet here comes Jesus. And he saves us. We're slaves to sin. We're slaves to the curse of the world. We're slaves to the law. We're slaves to our old fallen carnal self. We're slaves to the devil. We're bound up in all kinds of stuff. And Jesus comes and he pulls us up out of that mud. He pulls us up out of that prison. And he says, I make you God's child. I make you a child now. You're a child now, not one day, not 10 years from now when you've gone through Bible college, not when you've got your whole world figured out and you're perfect and you no longer sin anymore and you're just amazing. It's a work and an act of God. And then he makes you an heir. But notice that part where it says that you can own it all in the Father's house, but if you're immature or you're acting like a slave, It doesn't matter because you're living like a slave in the house filled with inheritance. It all belongs to you. But if you don't grow up, if you don't. Now, Christ did this for us. He's given us the ability to just access what's in the house. But did you see before that, though? He used the illustration that there was all this promise. There's all of this in the house. But when you're a slave or you don't grow up into your sonship, it doesn't matter what belongs to you because you won't use it. So you wonder how many believers Christ has given us the ability to become childs of God like this and how much is in the house. How much authority, how much influence, how much power, how much access, how much can our prayers move mountains and we didn't even realize they could move those mountains that big. But we're acting like slaves still. We approach God like we're bothering him or, or if we make a mistake, we feel like we're no longer a child so I can't go to him confidently because I'm afraid that how he's going to react to me rather than going to him as a son to a father saying, Dad, I made a mistake. Maybe we, use, maybe we inflect on God or refer upon God a, a negative image of a father because you had a negative earthly father. But my friend, your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly father. Your heavenly father is perfect. Your heavenly father treats you in perfect love and he treats you in um, complete honesty and truth. Amen. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. 
Maybe that's for somebody today in the house, but there's all this available in your inheritance. There's all this that you are, but if you keep acting like a slave, if you keep putting yourself back into this other position, you're not gonna access all that belongs to you. The name of Jesus belongs to you now. The blood of Jesus belongs to you now. The gifts and anointings of the Spirit belong to you now. Access to the throne of grace belongs to you now. Amen. There's even a story. Thank you. I'll take that one clap. There's even a story about this in Luke chapter 15. Just write it down. I'll tell you the story. Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. Anyone remember the story of the prodigal son? There's two characters, three characters. There's the father, there's the prodigal son, and then there's the older brother. You remember this right now? Just quickly abbreviated version. You can go back and read it if you're new to the Bible. I encourage you to do so. This father, this wealthy father, has these two sons. This one son says, I want all my inheritance now. And so the father gives him his inheritance. The son goes out and he just wastes his life. Wastes his money, wild living, all kinds of crazy stuff. He's out of money. There's a famine that hits the land. You know, he's on the bottom of life. He finds himself trying to find work because he's starving. So he starts to feed pigs. And here he was a wealthy man. He was, had fortunes and, and he had a place of influence. And now here he is hanging out with the pigs. You know how, how far we can fall, right? That's kind of what happened with him. And while he's eating with the pigs, the Bible says that he came to himself. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're kind of done running, right? Trying to live your life on your own terms. Trying to just, you know, live for what feels good or whatever. But there's this moment where he came to himself. And he said, in my father's house... Even the servants eat better than this. I, I don't want to eat with the pigs anymore. Maybe that's you. Maybe today you can have a revelation. You say, I don't want to eat with the pigs anymore. Here's the cool part. You don't have to be eating with the pigs. Can I just say that over you right now? You don't have to keep eating with the pigs. And he might have sat there and said, but I, this is all I deserve. I did this to myself. But he had an awakening moment. He said, well, I can at least go back to my father's house and I can beg him to make me a servant. I don't deserve to be a son. So I'll beg him to make me a servant. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 16 that, that the father, who represents God, he saw his son, his wayward, long-lost son, afar off. The Bible doesn't waste words. It means the father saw him from a great distance, but it also means the father was looking for him. He was staring out down that long road, maybe daily, saying, maybe today's the day my son comes home. Maybe today's the day that he comes back home. And maybe that's what God's doing for you today. He's staring down the path of your life and he's hoping that today you'll come home and be his child and live far better than where you are now. But it takes you having that awakening moment and saying, I need to go back home. I need to go back home. And so the son came and the Bible says that the father saw the son coming from a distance and the Bible says the father ran to meet him. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you could sit there and say the father stood there in judgment waiting to tell this son, I told you so. I knew you were going to waste your life. I told you you'd pay for it. You don't deserve. That's, the father had no accusation waiting for this son. The, the father closed even the distance. He couldn't wait for the son to get all the way home. The father ran to meet him on the path. Can you see the eagerness of God to make you his child? Listen. God isn't looking for reasons to keep you out. He's trying to bring you home. He's trying to bring you into sonship. 
Sometimes we act like God's just got, he's like sparingly giving it out, like he's, he's limiting or he's, God is freely giving you forgiveness, freely giving you love, freely giving you access. God isn't trying to keep you out of the family. If he wanted to keep us out, he never would have sent Jesus because we were out. Come on. But the father's heart runs after the young man. And the, the young man says, I don't deserve to be your son, but make me your servant. And I love this. The father didn't even acknowledge that ridiculous statement. It's what in the natural we think we should say. God, I'm not worthy. God, I don't deserve to be your child. So at least make me your servant in the house. And this is the father's response. Kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. Give him a robe. The father didn't even acknowledge that silliness. What does a ring represent? Authority. Did you see that? This guy just came out of the world eating with pigs, and instantly the father gives him his authority back. His authority over the devil. His authority over sin. His authority as a child of God. Did he qualify for it? No. Has he got his whole self figured out? No. He probably has, even has a journey of getting some of what he let into his life out of his life back in the house. But God knows he's going to need that authority to overcome those issues. God's not withholding your authority back when you come back. He puts that ring on your finger immediately. He gives you a robe of righteousness. And let me tell you something about the robes of righteousness. It's his righteousness. See, he became sin who knew no sin that we may become the righteousness of God. There's only one size robe. It's not like you get a small robe and he gets a medium robe and she gets a large. There's only one size and it's size C. Size Christ. So that robe of authority, that robe of righteousness, that robe of right standing with God, it's you look like Jesus. Put you therefore on the Lord Jesus Christ. So God put a robe on him, put a ring on him, and partied because he had come home and celebrated, made him a son. God's not looking for you to be his servant. He has angels that are messengers and servants. He made you to be his child. He calls you child. This is a work of God. But there's the other brother in this story, and that's what I want to kind of help us with. There was an older brother who never left the house, who never ran away, and he was so bitter at the goodness and the grace that the father was showing to his younger brother or his other brother. And this is why he was so bitter inside because he said, this son of yours, he doesn't even acknowledge him as his own brother, this son of yours that wasted his money on prostitutes and wild living and all this stuff, this son of yours has come home. And I, he says to his father, he's mad. He won't even go into the party. The father comes out to talk to him. He says, and I have never done anything but obey you. And you've never even given me one calf to celebrate with my friends. Or, or you haven't given me anything to celebrate with your friends. And here's the father's response. He says, my son, he says, your brother that was lost, come back. We're going to celebrate him. He said, but to the other brother, he said, everything I have is already yours. The fact that the older brother wasn't enjoying it, was on him. That was on him. He had access to the same throne of grace. He had access to the authority. He had access to the robes. He even had access to the provision and the fatted calves. He could have been having meatloaf or steak or prime rib, whatever. I guess it's, yeah, whatever. Anyway, 
But do you understand that how many times do people, they're in the house of God, we're in the family of God, but they're not enjoying it. They're not living out their influence. They're not living out their dominion. They're not living out that identity. And it's already there. It's there for the taking. But because of a lack of knowledge or because of a lack of just believing the truth about what's available to them in their life, they're not accessing it. And so I don't want you to be the older brother either. Today, you may be the, the, the prodigal son that left and you need to come home. And let me give you complete confidence of what you're going to experience. You're going to experience the father running to you. You're going to experience him wrapping his arms around you. You're going to experience him bringing you back in as a child of God, nothing less than a full-fledged child of God. So that's what you can be confident you'll experience today. But if you have been in the family of God and you have not been using your authority to kick the devil out of your house, you've been letting the devil run all over you and you're like, where's God in this? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some authority you need to engage with and remove the enemy from your own house. There's some power that you have that you're not accessing. You see what I'm saying? Or maybe the enemy's dra draining up your finances or your provision. Well, my friend, let's lay hold of heaven and let's, let's believe God for that provision. It's not that God doesn't love you. Do you see what I'm saying? You're still a child of God and you have access to God. And so it's not just sit there and learn how to live with less, but learn how to use your position in Jesus to push back that poverty, to lay hold of provision, even water out of a rock or quail in the desert. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but the Bible says, never have I seen the righteous forsaken. Never have I seen his seed begging for bread. You have access to the provision of heaven one way or another. But sometimes we let life bully us down and we're sitting here acting like we're not that child of God and God, where are you? And, what? and this is what this is about is you are a child of God to grow up in this and begin to utilize that covenant and those, those, uh, those gifts and privileges that God grants us as his children. The devil's going to test you. He's gonna test you in ways to make you question whether you're a child of God, to make you wonder whether or not God is with you. But you never move from that place that says, I am a child of God. No matter what happens around me, that doesn't identify me. I am a child of God no matter what my circumstances. And as a child of God, I will overcome all these circumstances. So you are more than a conqueror because you're in Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, you are more than a conqueror. Can you just, we're gonna end on that and we're gonna sing this song together, but just let feel this. You are not just a conqueror. You're more than even a conqueror. There's not even a word to describe you. You're a conqueror, conqueror plus. Did you see that? You're not just a conqueror. You're more than that. How many of us just want to be a conqueror? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than that. You're more than that. You're a child of God. You're a child of God today, now. You're a child of God. You're, you're not just a conqueror. You're more than that. You're a son. You're a daughter. You call God Abba. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. 
To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening, and God bless.